how does God view the church in this hour is something that I want to speak about. And in January, probably the main thrust of every meeting that we've had is this, that God is wanting to give you a fresh new start to begin your race all over again. Amen. He wants to begin your race again with a fresh outlook. Don't have an 08 outlook, for goodness sake, and try and do life in 09. It won't work. You need to have a fresh outlook. You need to see on the horizon of your great life and believe that you can walk it out, that journey of faith, that you can scale every mountain. If you can't scale it, walk around it, get around it and get to that place, which is called a destination in God. But really, it's your destiny in God. So I'm talking about tonight about a destiny, your destiny. You are called. It's there already. God knew you even before you turned up in your mother's womb. God knew you. He formed you, of course. Uh, But but even before that, uh, he said he's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. The Lamb's book of life. You've been written for a purpose, for a cause, for a mission, for such a time as this. You were born. Amen. You were born. Now, that destiny is your inheritance. It's yours for the taking. You got to take it. Don't ignore it. Don't dodge and weave it. Believe that it's yours. And then you can begin to walk in the rhythm of life. So I hope you've got your Bibles. I hope you've got your notepads. Because I'm going to throw some statements at you. This is my last ditch attempt. This is my last attempt to get you reconciled to this year of 09. By the way, welcome to 09. Give yourselves a hand right there. Welcome. These uh, world conditions are not a surprise to him. He knew you could handle these world conditions. If you're running a business, if you're just doing life in general, he knew you would be born in this moment, in this time. You're not just a, a process of evolution. You are born for a time such as this. Can you believe that? You are born, and we just got to get you to open your eyes, to incline yourself to the Spirit of God, to awaken you, and to allow you to realize that you are born to be a consequence. You are born to be uh, a contributor to this great, powerful force called the church. God is raising up the church in this last hour. God is raising up the church to be a church of answers opportunity for people who are disconnected from God, that are beginning to flounder in God, beginning to just to, I guess, get all vague on even why they're alive on the planet. A lot of people getting depressed, a lot of people losing focus, losing vision, even to live a half-decent life. They're saying, is it worth it? What's the use? People are losing their businesses. The economy is going south. But in that, God says you are born for such a time as this to be able to manage life, do life, to conquer, to rule and reign in Christ. Is that right? That's what the Bible says. I've got some scripture to back it up. World conditions are not surprising to him, nor is the state of the body of Christ. His plan brings a solution for the crisis and opportunities for this critical hour. Now, more than ever, I believe this. God is wanting to reconcile The peoples of the church, generations of people, young and old. And that's why we're seeing this real, I guess, real revival of young people beginning to come into this house. And I believe there's certain people sitting in front of me right now that will trigger off at least another five, six souls being saved this year. This year. I'm looking at young men and women of God 
that will trigger off others who will incline themselves to God, find their way into God, and become the answer to this lost and dying world. Even you, sister, my Asian friend. Who, me? In this nation? Oh, this is too scary, this nation. I'm so timid. I'm so shy. I'm a person of few words. No, God, by His power, by His Spirit, can use you, little miss. And God's going to maybe cause a whole family, a whole group, a whole community of Asians to come into this church and worship the living God. Say this, the damsel is not dead. We've got to get a fresh new perspective of the church. And this is what literally every, every service is about trying to give you vision of what God is up to. And what God is up to is to save souls. That is most important. Reaching people, connecting with people, rescuing people into eternity is one of the number one profound, most noble causes that you can aspire to, that you can serve. This is like Tugra Life Saving Club, just like the Tuwoon Bay Lifesavers down there, training and working out and, and running along the beach and push-ups and swimming, endurance tests and oxygen through their blood to the extremities of their body that glow on their body, their suntan, radiant, defined body is about saving souls, is it not? It's the same as the church. We gotta find clarity and definition. Here's a story in Mark 5. Quick, my time is running out. Mark 5, we read the story of an encounter between Jesus and a man named Jairus. Okay, he has a daughter. His daughter is dying. He pleads to Jesus. He said, Jesus, you've got to come to my home. You've got to come to my home. My daughter is desperate. She is dying. And Jesus says this. <laughs> By the time Jesus arrived with Jairus at his home, where his daughter was waiting, the bystanders had broken the news to him and the damsel had already dead, was already dead. And it was too late for her to recover, they thought. But Jesus had a radically different view of this situation. And if you look in Mark 3 or 5, chapter 5, verse 39, he says, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And despite the mockery of the crowd, Jesus continues to say, it's cool, she's not dead, She's alive. She's only sleepeth. And, and there's something about, I guess, the criticism out there towards the church and towards you that maybe you're not quite alive enough, that your, your church is not alive enough. Is there an answer in the church? Is there power in the church? If I go to church, can my, can my friend be healed? Can they be saved? Can they be blessed? Is the church really alive? Some people would say the church is dead. But I believe the church is alive in the power of the Holy Spirit, through people like you that are absolutely, I know, ballistic for God. You love God, you're pressed up against God, you're praying thy kingdom come, and in that, every time we turn up and do a church service, God breaks out, and God's here, so graciously, so wonderfully, so powerfully at times, so informative, so revelatory, God is powerfully, I believe, in every service. I love this house. Who loves this church? This is an amazing place. You come here, you get defined, you get through the week, you're a bit, bit, you know, scattered and a bit uh, confused. But seemingly when you come to the church, you get clarity in your mind, in your spirit, your eyes begin to open again and you begin to see on the horizon 
of a great dream, a great plan that God has for the church to be the answer in this hour. And I believe this, this house will be a house of such sharpness in the spirit, such a clarion call it will announce that its people will aspire to be such a powerful house that we shall see those miracles. We shall see the multitudes coming in. We shall see your friends and mine getting saved at the drop of a hat. Because of the power of prayer, because of a people that are living holy unto the Lord and a people that are worshipping Him in spirit and in truth. Can I hear an amen? The damsel is not dead. The church is not dead. You are not dead. You might be sleeping. You might be sleeping but I'm here to revive you. Jesus is here to revive you. You notice that about this church? There's no safe place. You can dodge and weave, but in the end, the Holy Ghost catches up to you. I believe there's always been a thing we've we've discussed, Julie and I, it takes about two years for the Holy Ghost to get you trapped where there's no way out, where you're backed into a corner. If you haven't changed, if you haven't been obedient, if you haven't done what God's asked you you to do, You are now backed in the corner. What else can you do? Sometimes people flee. Some people bow their knee eventually. Some people eventually get real and say, you're right, I've got to change. I've got to be real with God. This is an hour of desperation. This is an hour that demands more of my life. This is an hour where I've got to give my gifts, my talent. This is an hour where I've got to give my tithe, my offerings. This is an hour to come and be a part of the team called church. This is the hour. And I say that with all urgency in my spirit. This is the hour to serve the church with everything that you have. We have a, we have a desperate situation of a planet that is totally out of order through sin, chaos, anarchy. And we need a people, we need a church to rise up and really give themselves to this cause because you're born for it. Amen. Give the Lord a, give the Lord a clap there. Amen. Jesus actually makes this command, arise. And I believe it's so right, Julie, when you keep quoting that scripture to us, when you say, Isaiah 60 verse 1, arise. Say arise. Arise and shine. If you knew Jesus was coming, and, (laughs) you know, maybe he was going to be down at Westfields on a particular Saturday, and they were going to put him in the hub there where they have some entertainment and that, but Jesus is actually... Uh, he's going to be presented. Would you get up a little bit earlier that day on Saturday? Would you go anywhere else but to that place where Jesus would be? Would you go to the beach? Would you go to a sports event? Would you do, would you, would you even go to work? I know I would ditch everything and be at that place called that meeting place of meeting Jesus. And I believe that's how we should wake up in every day. We should wake up with an understanding that Jesus is in our in our life, in our church. He's in and on this planet. He's on this nation right now. He's wanting you to awake to that fact. He wants your attention. He wants your attention. And so let me help you do that tonight. Or help Jesus do that tonight. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness does cover the earth. We can go into that how it is, and you know it is. You've just got to watch the news. Thick darkness is over the peoples. That's blindness, spiritual blindness. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Who's been enjoying the altar calls? You've been enjoying those? We can't do those all the time. 
because we're going back to school and, and, and you know, we've got to finish at 7.30 and, but, you know, you've got you to abide to these times and boo, boo. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have man. You know what? The church is going to arise and change this world. It's going to change this place. It's going to change this community. The church is going to arise. It's not dead. It just sleepeth. It's not dead. Jesus is turning up. He's turning up in this church. I don't know what church you go to, but he's here in every service that we have in this place. Amen? And he is raising people from the dead. He's raising people up into their calling. Say calling. Say I have a calling. Say I am called. I'm called for this hour. I think you believe it too, the way you say. Young people, you've just come into this. You're saved three months, six months, a year. Do you feel like this is the best thing that you can come to and serve? Do you think this is just mere religion? Do you think this is just some pratsy, punsy, uh, weak need, willy, help me with adjectives. You, someone help me. Do you think this is just some wussy, Nancy boy expression of religion? Or do you think this is a powerful, life-giving move of God? Come on. I don't, I don't think our God's a wussy, Nancy boy God. I think he's a powerful, mountain-moving, life-changing, earth-raising. Ho! He's a God of all glory, all power, all wonder. He's the God that saves souls, but saved nations. In a moment, in a day, Egypt, those people trapped in Egypt were saved in a day, Jules. They were set free. Can Australia be saved in one day? Can it be saved in one day? Praise God. This radical church that how it all started, and we want to get back there, and you can write some of this down, it's an amazing type of church. It was relational. There was one accordness there. You can write this, number one, it was relational. Racial, economic, cultural. We got Ugandians, we got Nigerians, we got Asians, we got Australians, we got New Zealand people, we got, man, we got the English folk here, we got the Welsh folk we got the New Zealand crowd. we got the Germans in the house. The Germans are in the house. Praise God. Come on. You know, we we got, we got all these nations in here. That's what it was like. Second, a vibrant church. Now get, let's get back to the original church. This is what it was like. This is why it changed the known world. This is why it tipped it upside down and did so much damage against the kingdom of darkness. Say damage against the kingdom of darkness. These people were radical, they were enthusiastic, more enthusiastic than a sports game, more enthusiastic than a, a chocolate ice cream, more enthusiastic than a, than a brand new Mercedes convertible, more enthusiastic than, than anything you can poke a stick at. Second, they were a vibrant, enthusiastic, happy, joyful, passionate people of God, a glad people, full of vibrant joy as they received the word, lived it, ate it, preached it. The good news was their, their message. Never get, never get discouraged about the good news. It has power. Did you notice the power that was coming from Luke's message this morning? There was power in that. Don't underestimate that man's preaching. It might come to you in a humorous, offhand way, but I tell you, uh, it's powerful, man. It, it, it uppercuts you, it clobbers you, and it just blesses you all at the same time. Three. They were irreverent people. 
They weren't casual or flippant about their faith. They possessed a sober awe, a respect of God and the apostles. A holy fear came upon every soul, an intense awareness of God's awesomeness and presence. See, that's why I was saying this morning, when we do church, let's create an environment for awe and, and just this awesome fear of God. Let's, let's believe we can create an environment where people feel God and the intensity of God. But it's not just you know, downcast, it's being uh, in living and, and being joyified and, and being anointed to feel like, wow, this is something I've never felt before. This is life, life abundantly. Amen? That's what I want people to feel when they come into this house. For they were focused, incredible focus. They continued, the Bible says, steadfastly, is a phrase that describes the early Christians. Constant focus upon the kingdom. Acts 2, 42, Acts 7, 55, Acts 14, verse 9. Despite the great excitement of the hour and the lack of organizational sophistication of the church, they were not distracted by the things that weigh down God's people today. Like an army, they had singleness of vision and a sense of mission to accomplish great things in God. Do you have a sense of this sense of, you know, I don't know, expectancy in your spirit that great things will happen tonight? That great things were going to happen this morning. Or do you just come, Kesara, I'm going to church, got to go, I guess. You know, keep on the good side of God, yeah. Or do you come with God, what's going to happen tonight? Because you've prayed, you've been in your word, and you know God's a God of miracles. Do you come with faith in your spirit, with a glean in your eye, with the money in your hand, and a praise in your heart, and joy in your life? Come on, guys. I'm getting a bit annoyed at this of the total exuberance that I see over a tennis match or a cricket match or a volleyball match, whatever you call the thing, and the people that, that, that serve it, that volunteer to it, that, that allocate their life to it, that, that take their kids to it, they're intoxicated by it. I was on the beach yesterday and they had the life-saving carnivals between McMaster's Beach and Tuwin Bay and other beaches, other beaches, Shelley Beach, and they were all competing and the parents were there and, they were, and we were just cruising. We didn't know this thing was going to be on, but we were having a sunbake and the parents were just intoxicated and they were, they were commentating. There were little Johnny there, see his stride. Oh, he's going to be a nation changer. Look at him go. Oh, boy, gee whiz. And, and commentary, running commentary for hours. Julie and I are just sitting on the beach going, oh my God, these people are absolutely impassioned with this stuff. They're absolutely impassioned. And the people of God should be the same. Do I hear the people going, oh, the church. Oh, wow. Did you see that Luke Boyd preach this morning? He was fantastic. Did you hear what the offering was tonight? Wow, boy, this church, it's on fire. Boy, I'm telling you, they were constantly commentating over their exuberance about these w little wonderful uh, kids. They're excellent, to be honest. Uh, how they were swimming and running and doing all this stuff. I'm going, my God, give me exuberant people like that in the church. They were focused. They prioritized their activities around truths that would transform them, events that would gather them, covenant meals that would connect them, and intercession that would empower them. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself, always give yourself, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
doesn't say they give you give your life fully, fully to some wonderful, you know, sports event or something like that, which I fully subscribe to. I play sports and I love sports and I hold sports up as a, as a great way of life to keep your body fit. But to lift it up to the point where we only know that and, 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 and worship that and, and it intoxicates us, uh, not intoxicates us, but it impassions us with such a zeal that God has no place in that life. That's all I'm saying. There's a disclaimer. So nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. Though five, they were unselfish, taking care of the needy, of course. Six, they were positive. Acts 2.47 says they were praising God. And I love the praise tonight, didn't you? Man, the pra- this praise, I'm telling you, it's going off. Vicky, you did so well. You got the people clapping. You got the people worshiping. You got the people connected to God. Sis, you really did well. And, and it's not easy to get people off their rusty and dusty and proclaiming God and worshiping and extolling our God. It's not easy. And you did well tonight. And the whole band really pumped. And the mix, whoever did that mix, just deserves a medal. Praise God. They were positive. People not. They weren't worried, they weren't fearful, there was no pessimism here, they were aware that they had a great God and, and an exciting destiny. They enthusiastically gave, gave glory to the Lord, even in the worst circumstance. It was one of their great qualities. They were focused. And I'm seeing people in the house become so focused towards the cause, towards the mission called the church. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing people awake, arise and shine, and awake. It's fantastic. Seven, they were attractive. The believers in the early church were magnetic people. Just as Jesus had, they won the favor of the general public. Luke 2.52, Acts 2.42. They were winsome and admired by society. They preached the good news and it was an attractive message. Amen? This is the early church. This is what we're trying to aspire to. Eight, they were anointed people. These men and women were full of the dynamic life of the Holy Spirit. And I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about how these people were able to carry a countenance of glory. They were intoxicated through prayer, through meeting together, through loving each other, loving God. They were intoxicated in passion in their heart of hearts. And so it became like a glory a countenance of glory. I've seen some people of God. Tommy Teeny, whose book, The God Chasers, I remember seeing him in a meeting and he carried the visible glory of God. Rodney Howard Brown, in the height of his revival meetings, he carried the glory of God. It was tangible, it was manifested, it was real. He was anointed and glorified. Amen? Because we're called to glorify Jesus on this earth. Ah, the believers depicted in Acts, they were filled with God's Spirit through times of prayer and waiting on Him. Spiritual visitation was the center of their activity. Spiritual visitation. God was visiting. Every activity they had, God turned up. God, we didn't invite you. No, we, we, we got stuff. We got, got a sermon to preach. Uh, uh, we got stuff to do. Would you just mind? Uh, you would even find churches that would presume to do that. Say, God, we're not letting you in here. We got things to do. We got a tight program. Uh, Chris, did you say God's at the door? When come in, look, I've got. Uh, he can have the. He can have. Uh, got, I need to seven thirty. Then bring him in, all right? Because I've got a sermon to preach. I've I've, uh, I've studied hard on this. Just just let him wait out there because we've got a lot of stuff to do here before he comes in. Churches would actually presume to do that. That worries me, because God 
needs his say. He wants to flow and he wants to bless us. We need to be bold through speaking in tongues. Uh, has been emphasized as the initial evidence of the infilling of the Spirit by many bold preaching. Ah, it, boldness is not really about being bold in speaking in tongues, but it's really about being bold in the preaching of the Word. So it's not really being bold in being able to speak in tongues down at Westfields and freak people out and, you know what I mean? And the security guys go, come here. here. People are worried about you, son. Uh, well, what's going on? The pastor said, preach in tongues, be bold about it. No, look, you know... Excuse me, we will have to escort you out of the place. But bold preaching was what they were bold about. They were outspoken, unreserved, clear and communicating. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Say bold as a lion. Ten, they were progressive. The early church broke with tradition of meeting only in the temple to meet also in homes. So they're innovative. They work outside the box. The church became effective in a new way means to get the gospel out. They became a, a just they began to reinvent this expression called the church. Or not the church, but the temple meeting and then becoming the church. Let's work outside the box, Andrew, this year. Let's put a great big uh, uh let's put a great big um outdoor uh concert on youth, you know, and uh let, let's work outside the box here, buddy. Let's get innovative because the Bible says Bible says in 2 Samuel 14, 14, that God wishes no one perish, but he gives ways and devices to the people of God so that no one perish. I love that. I love that. We've got to get ways and means to reach the people out there. We need to be progressive. We need it. We need it now. We need to get new wineskins. Because if you stay in your old wineskin and we try and put new wine in you, you will burst, you will crack up, and you won't be able to do what God wants you to do. And that's not going to be a good day. 2 Peter 1.10. I'm going to motor mouth now because I want to crunch this. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling. Say calling. Say I am called. Say I am called. Say I am called. To make your calling and election sure. And if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A brand new thing in you God wants to do this year. I feel that imperative. I feel that as an unction unto my spirit. There's at least a dozen people in this church that they know that God is up to something in their life. They can't work it out. They can't assimilate it properly. They can't appropriate it properly. But they know that it is in them. They're impregnated. They're pregnant with something. And I believe it's this. It's new life. So I am doing a new thing. Isaiah 43 verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. See it. Lord, say this. Lord, help me see. Help me see now. <laughs> I am doing a new thing, the Lord would say to you. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Here's another version. Nothing compares to what I'm going to do with you, says the Lord. Here's another version. This is not in your NIV. Nothing compares to what I am going to do with you, says the Lord. Behold, I am going to do a brand new thing with you personally. See, I've already begun it to do it. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I'm going to do a new thing in you. I believe it's so true. True. Joshua 3.4 says... 
then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Some people have done the Christian life like this. They've gone around a mountain and they know the way. Oh yeah, I get impassioned, and then I normal life, read some scripture, guess I've got to go to church again. Okay, I'm back. Hi. Yeah, been with the Lord ten years. Back around. Life, hurdles, challenges, trials. That's right, God's God. Okay, I'm back. I'm going round. God's doing a new thing. He's not, you've not been this way that he's going to show you this year, this journey of your destiny in God. God has a destiny for you, not to go around the mountain, but to go on into the things of God. Amen? I believe the Lord Jesus is speaking to you right now. Right now about God. He wants you to engage in a whole, a whole new calling to your life. Come on, because callings change. See, you had a calling last year to do something. You might have been called to play bass. And if you did it, that was great. If you didn't, you missed out. We called you this afternoon to play bass. Couldn't get a hold of you. You were called. You were called. And you missed the calling. Amen. You missed it. So we got, he, he got called. We had to call the other guy in. And that's how God does it. God will call you, but the calling, it changes. The calling changes. Don't think that the calling stays the same. Oh, it's that calling again. This happened to me three years ago at a conference. I was at Benny Hinn and he, and, and I, I, you know, I knew that God was encouraging me and, 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 but I did a good job in ignoring it and I never owned up to it. And, uh, but, but now hang on. He's not going to say the same thing to you again. It could be something entirely different. You miss that boat. The calling is ever changing. Say ever changing. God is calling you in the process. You must volunteer for it. And in it, you'll become spiritually effective, spiritually useful. And once again, you will become a servant in God, in the house of God, and be able to offer all that you are again. So the Lord is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I want to awaken you. Arise and shine. I'm going to even prepare a way in the desert of your circumstance stuff that has hindered you, stuff that has held you back. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to, I'm going to cause a way through the desert somehow. This is our God. This is what He does. God is calling you. Conse <coughs> Consequently, write this down. Consequently, your sense of spiritual satisfaction and significance will once again be powerfully restored. That's for someone. Here's some, here's another one for someone, someone else. You will feel spiritually reinstated and spiritually rejuvenated. Say amen to that. Here's something for another person that's in the house. You will feel spiritually renewed and relevant as you experience a deep new sense of spiritual accomplishment. Some people feel like they've not accomplished anything. They're disheartened. They're discouraged. But I'm here to say to you, your calling is again beckoning you to this 09 season of you serving the house, serving God, loving God, and all over again believing that you are born for a destiny. Give it up for Jesus right there. He wants to update you. He wants to upgrade you. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Today, your inner man is being renewed. Say this. Today, 
my inner man is being renewed. Although you're fading away, and I know you do a great, great job of dressing up and makeup, and, but your inner man is being renewed. And may I say, you do look quite nice tonight, just so I don't get on the wrong side of people. You look fantastic. But I'm saying this, I am interested more so with your inner man. God wants to transform you on the inside. God wants to transform you on the inside. Romans 12.2 talks about that. Something's up, you feel it deep, deep within your spirit. You cannot identify it quite yet, but you know it is there. You've tried to ignore it, but it is there. The call of God is like a hunger that just won't go away. You are being wooed. You are being courted. You are being pursued. The call of God is relentless, like a persistent suitor. Girls, have you had a guy that's sort of interested with you? Tash, have you ever had someone who's interested with you? Just ringing you, ringing you, letters, flowers, at your door, knocking, and that's like the calling, man. That's like the calling. That's like the calling, man. It's at you. It's swimming rivers. It's climbing mountains. God's calling is coming at you, man, because it's immensely in love with you. You are being wooed. You are being courted. You are being pursued. (laughs) The call of God is relentless like a persistent suitor. The call of God is relentless. Its purpose is to catapult you to the next level of service to God. I feel this in my spirit. That's why I need to go line by line. I feel some people are called to another level in 09. And I'm hoping some people will step up into that, into that arena, into that level. I'm nearly done. Galatians 4.19 My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. No pain, no gain. Again, the good news is that God what God is going on inside you, what is about to come out of you. Again, the good news is what's going on inside you and what's about to come out of you, the birthing you are being repositioned for. I've got to get this out. I've got to just 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 nail this, this last part. All you need is some definition and some clarity. You need to know what this repositioning is all about. You need to know what God requires of you today. And you have every right to know this. Why? Am I being jerked around? Why is this pastor asking me to come up another level? Why am I being encouraged into the more of God? I have a right to know, and you do. Why? Because the planet is in crisis. The planet needs you to step up and be anointed. Be, be anointed and be equipped and be empowered. That's basically why. Is that cool? Is that enough reason? Because if someone's drowning out in the surf and you're carrying about 50 pounds too much, please don't come after me. Send, send Ali out. He's, he looks like he's pretty lean. Because the church is going to need fit people in the spirit. Amen? What is going on inside you are the multiple spiritual, emotional, and even physical effects of the ever-changing call of God upon your life. You are being spiritually prepared. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. I believe you're about to enter one of your most exciting seasons. Is anyone getting this? Is this for someone? 
because I'm deliberately saying this because I changed my message up totally this afternoon and literally got this this afternoon, the last two hours of this afternoon before I came here because the Lord says, now forget that sermon. This is what I want to say as the last attempt to get people off their rusty dusty and get them engaged into 09. Every new season requires a new preparation. You are being led of the Holy Spirit into new territory. It is a new place in the kingdom where you will no longer be a spectator or a follower. Amen? It is a place where each joint will supply. I can't get into that scripture, but it's about you being a contributor and adding life to the church. Something necessary and even critical to the full operation of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16. That's your homework. Take that home. This means you have something to supply. Nobody should come into the house with nothing and expect to be hand-fed and then you have you have a giftedness, you have a talent, you have a destiny, you have a calling, you have a message, you have an encouragement, you have stuff. We've got to break that spirit of poverty off your life. That's why giving is so important. If you can be faithful with the, with the unrighteous things, you will be faithful with righteous stuff. If, we, if you can be faithful with money, filthy lucre, whatever you want to call it, you will be faithful with the words that you use. You'll be faithful with the anointing that you have. Is that cool? That's why giving is so important. This means that you have something to supply. Are you ready? Are you prepared to participate? Can you handle this next level? Apparently, God believes you can. Otherwise, He wouldn't be calling you in it. Paul wrote this, Romans 13 verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. There it is, Romans 13, verse 11. And do this. This is what the scripture says. And do this, understanding the present time. This, the hour has come for you to wake up from the slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I believe salvation is nearer. I believe the call of God is nearer. I don't want to go to a church where the calling is is talked about. I just want to come to church and just be nice and, and do nice Christian life. And I don't want to know about a calling and enrolling and subscribing and getting match fit for, for a last day's, uh, you know, contest between darkness and light. Uh, I just want to do nice church. I'm a nice person. I'm not a warfare person. I don't like that stuff. I, I just want to come to church. I don't want to pray. And uh, I just want to, you know, I'll give my tithe. Yeah, but uh, and I'll be nice. But I, I, I don't want to, can, I don't want to con- be in a contest with darkness and, and light. But I'm telling you this. God is calling you for this present time, says. And do this, understanding the present time The hour has come upon you right now to awake from your slumber. Romans 13 verse 12, the next scripture. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. This could be the great awakening of your life. There's a work to be done, church. It's a new day and a new hour. It's time to embrace your ever-changing call. And this church, C3 Tugra, wants you to experience your calling. I love this stuff. What better, what more can I say to you? That right now, at this present time, there is a demand upon your life. And we're not asking you to become, you know, these profound Bible scholars or 
We're just saying, would you be obedient to the calling in your life and offer to God what, what you can? Would you come under the house and contribute and make this house live with an exuberance, with a passion, with a fervor, with a love, with a faith that can make this place rock for Jesus? Can I hear an amen right there? And I'm done because I really think I've nailed it. And I think I've nailed some people in the house too. I feel like in my spirit, I've known it to be true. This hunger that I have hasn't been able to be satisfied. I'm emotionally churned up. I feel like there's got to be more, but help me, help me. Awake, arise and shine, because I'm telling you, oh nine, we're going to do some God stuff. We're going to see some souls saved, some people healed, and we're going to do some great exploits for God. Get ready for this house to double, to increase, to be anointed in a whole new level to do what God has asked us to do. Because the people we have are an outstanding bunch of people. I'm looking at some of these people on the front row, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. I'm looking at some of these people. I see the gleam in their eye. I see them responding to the message. But know this, I will encourage you no end to your calling. You are called for such a time as this. Not to be pew sitters, but to be engaged in the most extraordinary time such as this. Let's all stand. God bless you.